Lord. And um, I'm also excited because what we're going to have for the rest of our service today is we're going to have people give testimony to what the Holy Spirit has done in their lives. Um, In John chapter 3, maybe you have a Bible. In John chapter 3, Jesus is having this conversation with a guy named Nicodemus. And as Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, he's talking to him about the essentials of seeing the kingdom of heaven. And one of the things he talks about is being born of the water and born of the, what else? Born of the Spirit. That's right. And when he's describing what the Holy Spirit does in our lives, he says this in verse 8. John chapter 3, verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. What's really interesting to me, it just dawned on me recently as I was studying the subject of the Holy Spirit, is that the Holy Spirit is the one who inspired Scripture, right? 2 Peter chapter 1 uh, tells us in verse 21 that the Holy Spirit moved upon men of God to write the Scriptures. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16, all Scripture is inspired It's God-breathed, okay? So the Holy Spirit is the one who authored Scripture, yet when you read the Scriptures that the Holy Spirit wrote, you find of the three persons of the Trinity, of the three persons of the Godhead, there is least information about the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? In other words, the Holy Spirit wasn't about himself. That when he was inspiring people to write scripture, when he was inspiring the communication from heaven to earth, he was inspiring that eyes would be fixed on Jesus. Now, the Holy Spirit moves like wind. Sometimes we don't see him. Sometimes we don't know what he is up to or where he is leading. But I tell you what, he is moving nonetheless. And so this morning, as we listen to testimonies being spoken, and as we see the testimonies through baptism, we are going to see what the Holy Spirit is doing in people's lives, all right? So we have three witnesses today, (laughs) three testifiers today in in word, and that would be Morgan Graham. He'll be sharing with us first, and then Anita Watson and David Aguilion. And so we're going to have the privilege of seeing what the Holy Spirit does, both to transform our lives and also to use our lives. And so what I'd like to do first is just to have a word of prayer for these uh, witnesses, because I know that, that speaking up front and sharing what is personal, it, it may not necessarily be the most natural thing in the world. So I want the Holy Spirit to have full access to our hearts today, okay? So let's pray. Father, we give you the green light. And the rest of the time that we share together, we want to hear from you. We want to see how the Holy Spirit moves in our midst. Thank you in advance for the ways that you are going to impact our hearts because of the things that we see in others' lives. Thank you already for what you have done, and Lord, we just give you permission to do even more. So bless Morgan, bless Anita, bless David. Give them the power of the Holy Spirit and the assurance of your love and compassion. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Happy Sabbath. So some of you may only know what you just said, that my name is Morgan, and I'm up here in front of you right now. Um, and I'm, I'm definitely no Peter. If you find a room full of 3,000 converts, it probably wasn't because of me. But uh, I have a few things that 
probably should get out there. Um, if you guys have a Bible with you or a Bible in your pew in front of you, would you turn to the book of Titus? Uh, it's towards the end of the New Testament, after the Thessalonians, after Timothy's. You know, if you hit the back cover, you're a little too far. Uh, it's just a page or two long. We're going to Titus 3, chapter 3, verse, starting in verse 1. New King James version here, so, right. <laughs> Probably don't may not know much about the Book of Titus. It's basically a letter that Paul wrote to Titus. Titus was left on Crete to um, help train the emerging church leaders there, and um, he's basically just giving him advice to be able to give to other people. Um, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities to obey to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. Now, the reason I'm starting with this is uh, if we backtrack a few years to when I was uh, through most of high school, um, I was not ready to be subject to anyone or obey anyone. I surely was not ready for any good work. Um, take verse two, I pretty much didn't do any of that stuff. In fact, most of the opposite of it. Um, for we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in the malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. And that last line in particular, I think, you know, in this time period in my life, I would uh, definitely res resonate with. Uh, for most of high school, the, the friends that I hung out with every day at lunch for three years, all we did was stand around in a circle and hate. We said the worst things we could think of of anyone that crossed our path or just walked by or teachers we had or people in our families or anything. I mean, we just were so much better than everyone else and we knew so much better than everyone else and you know, everyone else was doing wrong and we could do no wrong and this is all we did. I mean, we talked about some other occasional more popular things, cars and whatnot, but for the most part, it all came back to something that someone did wrong and looking down on them. But then, verse 4, but when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared. Now, I remember that moment in my life, that very day. I don't think I'll ever forget it. I lost a brother that day. The devil took him. But... God found me that same day. The date was August 18th, 2008. And I wish even that I would have traded places with him that day. I have his family here. And I wish it didn't have to come to that, but it did. And, well, God sure wasn't done with me yet. That's just when he found me, so... Verse 5, not by works of righteousness as we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Now, first of all, it's important that uh, you know, it's very much not by works of righteousness that I've done. If it had been, I wouldn't be anywhere. Uh, that last line there may seem a little 
for and the washing of regeneration? What does that mean? I mean, isn't regeneration what starfish do? The renewing of the Holy Spirit? I mean, how does this make sense? But that phrase, washing of regeneration, um, in the original Greek, the word regeneration is only used twice throughout all of scripture. It's used one other time in Matthew. Um, what it means literally is a spiritual rebirth. The washing of regeneration, of course, referring to baptism, to conversion, um, to God removing us, taking us from the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. And nothing that we can do will make that happen. That, that's all God. And uh, renewal of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it might sound like maybe you're getting more Holy Spirit, but no, that's not what it's talking about. Because we all have the Holy Spirit in us, whether we deny him or not, whether we follow him to, or to what extent, what it's really talking about is a renewed further fervor in the following of the Holy Spirit and the path that he lays out in front of us. So, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And I don't know about you guys, but I sure don't feel like I deserve that hope. I sure don't feel like I've paid for it, but I know that someone did. Amen. I'm going to tell you now, now what I'm going to school for, to be a, a counselor, but from my own perspective, if I look down on someone, if I feel like I'm better than someone who walks into my office or my room or just sees me on the street, if I start coming to them from that perspective that I was at five, six years ago, I've already failed. I cannot advise someone who I think is a lower being than myself. But I am the lowest being, as maybe we all are. Well, in a minute I'll be even lower, going to the grave. <sighs> to be resurrected. I'm a little shaky up here, I apologize, but uh, it's a big thing, so. Uh, you guys will see me a new man after this. And thank you all for being here, um, especially you that are not regulars and that have supported me throughout my entire life. Um, I, I can't, there, there are no words. There just aren't. And if there were, they would take hours and hours and hours. So I just ask to uh, maybe keep me in your prayers for a little while, just, just one or two. That's all. Um, and thank you very much for... With church. Good to see you all. Well, Ephesians is my book. It has personal meaning to me. Ephesians 2.1 and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's really personal to me because before I came to the Lord, I spent most of my life being angry. You see, I was angry at my mother and father for being absent, angry that I kept getting dumped on my elderly grandma, Angry that no one sent me presents on my birthday or holidays and that I was always forgotten. Angry that I was snatched away from my grandma at an early age 
to a life of abuse, neglect, and insanity. Angry when I wasn't allowed to return to my grandma, I actually found a way to um, get back to the state where she was. And we went to court. I was 14 years old. Um, but my grandma had a stroke. And so I had to return to my abusive home. And I was really angry when she died. I felt like she was all I had. Still can't talk about my grandma. You see, my mother wasn't well. She was um, not well physically or emotionally or psychologically. And well, my father's fourth wife had some strange religion that forbid just about everything, including me. And I wasn't allowed to come around to see my siblings. I just wasn't good enough. So I grew up to be an angry, vindictive adult. I got involved in Eastern religion, spiritualism, martial arts. I loved sci-fi, and I was always looking for a fight. I drank when I felt like it. I smoked. And I end up marrying my partying partner from school. He encouraged my anger and thought it was great that I had a chip on my shoulder. We were partners in crime. But I began to feel different when the children came along. My focus wasn't on myself anymore, you know? I stopped licking my wounds, got off the pity pot, and basically got tired of being angry. Anger wears you out. We now know that anger's physical side effects are damaging to the body. It causes depression, higher cholesterol, stiffer arteries, wears out the adrenal glands, can cause liver and kidney damage. You get the picture. Anyway, one day, when my children were very, very young, I looked up at the sky and I said, God, are you there? I mean, are you really, really there? During this time, I was working at a clinic in the Bay Area, and there was a doctor at work that just about everyone loved. He was an older man who was devoted to his family, and he was just such a kind and gentle person. So I felt comfortable asking him if he knew a church I could attend. He said he'd think about it, and meanwhile, he offered me a tape. It was The Meaning and Remedy of the World's Unrest by C.D. Brooks. I still have that tape. I enjoyed it because it answered so many of my questions, and it put things in perspectives. I went back to him, and he said, you want more tapes, don't you? And I was eager to listen, and he said, you know, I have a library with a tape about any subject you want. So he just fed me tapes. One day, this doctor came to me at work and said, hey, you know what? Revelation Seminar is coming to town, and I want to go. You want to go? So myself and another coworker went to the Revelation Seminar. 
When I went, I was so impressed with how professional it was. It started on time, the message was thorough, the literature was applicable, and it was at a beautiful hotel. I was so impressed with what I was hearing that I'd rushed to lock up the clinic to get there. One evening, we were exceptionally busy at work, and I was trying to get out on time, but I knew I was going to be late. Again, I was so embarrassed when I got there that I just stood by my car and paced outside, too ashamed to go inside. Finally stepped inside the door, outside in the hallway. But do any of you know Chris and Sherry Nelson from the series Church? All right. Chris and Sherry were helping with the seminar and they were right in tune with the Holy Spirit. They came over to me as I was pacing in the hallway and encouraged me to go in. I told them I just couldn't want to go in and be late again. I was so embarrassed. And they told me, oh, they encouraged me. These people are Christians. They don't care. They don't mind. Don't worry about it. Don't miss out on your blessing. And so I went inside, and at 28 years old, I finally succumbed to the wooing of the sweet Holy Spirit and accepted the Lord. I quickly embraced the health message, the Sabbath. It was all so rich and pure for me. I can tell you, it all happened right on time. I was ripe fruit. You see, looking back, I can see how the Holy Spirit had been working on me for some time through my grandmother, who loved the Lord. My grandmother didn't know anything about Seventh-day Adventists. She didn't drive. And back in the early 50s, um, I know I'm telling you my age, but you know I was no spring chicken. But back in the early 50s, um, my grandmother discovered the Sabbath on her own. I was taken away from her so young, I, I, I just couldn't remember. She didn't know anything about the health message or many of the other truths, but she did know that. So I could see the Holy Spirit working in my life through my grandma, through my Christian neighbor. I had this Nazarene neighbor back in Iowa. She'd always tell me, I'm praying for you. And I used to think, I need to give that lady a joint. <laughs> and I can tell you that through the doctor at work, I could see the Holy Spirit working with him. Well, I don't have a story of, you know, I was this big chemically dependent person. I was just a person that the world, like most people out in the world, just kind of out there doing my own thing, accepting any wind of doctrine that came my way, basically confused. Now I can tell you that getting baptized and coming to the Lord was the best thing I've ever done. Not only has God taken away my anger and replaced it with peace and contentment, but through all my trials, and yes, there have been so many trials since then, the Lord has been with me, giving me strength, softening the blows, lightening the load. 
and my walk with him gets sweeter every day. And I'm so grateful to have the Lord in my life because there is nothing that can take the place of a relationship with the Lord. So just remember, you never know what the Holy Spirit is doing in another person's life. And I want to leave you with this verse. This is Ephesians 2.8. Because every time I read this, I always think, I'm so grateful that I accepted the gift. For by grace, you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Let's help others accept the gift. And most of you don't because I'm pretty shy and quiet, but uh, um, I wanted to uh, tell my story. I was asked to uh, share my testimony. I was like, wow, that's, that's something I, I will definitely do. And then they said seven to ten minutes, and I was like, ooh, that's uh, not very much time. Uh, so we got together, uh, Brooke and Pastor, and uh, I told them uh, my testimony, and uh, uh, we decided to... Uh, give a few key things that happened. Um, so I'm going to share those with you now. Uh, I grew up in a Seventh Avenue ha uh, home, and I went to uh, Avenue schools, went to Monterey Bay Academy. Um, I grew up loving the Lord, and uh, somewhere along the line, I lost touch with that, and I began to uh, fall away. Um, in high school, I started to hang out with the wrong crowd, and uh, things just kept getting worse from there. Um, I lost my mother uh, to a car accident. Uh, she was killed, uh, T-boned. Um, a little background on her is she was a naturopathic doctor. Uh, she had a health food store in Hollister, uh, Hollister uh, called Jane's Herbatic, and she wrote a column in the paper. And uh, she was a soldier for the Lord. And when she was taken, I, I just could not comprehend how God could allow that to happen. And when that happened, I was distraught. I was angry, and I said, you know what? Forget you, God. If you can allow this to happen to someone who works so hard, so tirelessly for your people, I don't want nothing to do with you. So from then on, I lived my life to fill a void, fill this sadness, this despair. I filled it with drugs. I filled it with sex. I filled it with toys. Uh, I worked really hard. I graduated college, great grades, you know. I was fairly successful. I owned two condos. Um, but after a while, things started to, to start to spiral more. Um, I ended up uh, getting uh, arrested for drugs. Uh, my brother and I had quite a bit of drugs because we made quite a bit of money and we liked to party. So when we got caught with the drugs, the county decided that we were the drug dealers for the, our area and they decided that they were going to send us to prison for 27 years. While I'm in county jail trying to fight the case, the first First week, I'm sitting there on my rack just glaring at anybody who would look my direction. 
I was so mad. I just wanted to get in a fight. I wanted someone to, to kick me off. But there was this one guy that just come, coming over to me and offering me a Bible. Here, you should read this. I'm like, no thanks. I've read that. I've been there. I've done that. No thanks. But he just kept coming day in, day out. So finally, I'm like, all right, fine. I take the Bible. I put it in the drawer underneath my rack. And I'm like, good. I'm done with that guy. He'll leave me alone. No, that's not the case. He comes back. We're going to go to Bible study. Come to Bible study. I'm like, oh, not again. So I, I, I try to pawn it off and try to get out of it. And finally, I'm just like, okay, fine. I'll go. So I go. And there's a gentleman there that, who was in prison. He used to be a, a, a northerner gang member. And he tells his testimony of how he came to God and how the Holy Spirit protected him from the backlash of him trying to leave his gang and follow God. And after that message, that testimony that he gave, I went back on my rack and I was sitting there and I couldn't sleep. I just kept thinking about it. I couldn't sleep and I couldn't sleep. And I finally got down on my knees and I was like, God, if you're really there, if you're real, I don't even know right now if I believe that you're there, but if you are, show me that you are. And take this from me. You know, I've, I've done everything I can on my own, as, and it just isn't working. It hasn't worked. I mean, look where I am. I've lost everything. I'm in jail. I'm facing 27 years in prison. And uh, so I gave my life to him that night. I confessed my sins. I asked for forgiveness, and I told him that from now on, whatever he wants me to do, I will do. So I started to study the Bible. I was probably not even a week and a half after this happened. Uh, this is one of the coolest experiences ever happened to me. Um, I was sitting on my rack, and one of the gentlemen that I had kind of become friends with there, uh, he came back from his court date, and he had really, really bad news. And uh, he was just on his rack crying, and... I felt I had to go over there. So I went over there and talked to him. I asked him, is there anything I can do? And uh, he said, you could pray with me. So we prayed. And after we prayed, you know, I was impressed to, to open my Bible. Now, mind you, it had been 11 or 12 years since I would opened the Bible before I gave my life back to God here in, in county. And uh, I just started opening the Bible and coming to verses and... <laughs> I don't know where it came from because I, had, it, I shouldn't have been able to pull these verses out, but I was pulling these verses out and I was reading to him verse after verse. We went over for like a half an hour doing this. And he's just like, oh my goodness, this is, this is exactly what I needed to hear. And that feeling of being used by the Holy Spirit is just, it's just so amazing. There's nothing like it in the world. You know? And I've tried a lot of things in the world. You know? The other thing that was really cool is that since I gave my life to God and I told him that I would do whatever he wanted me to do, I've had no desire whatsoever to go back and do any of the things that I used to do. None of them. You know. So here I am facing 27 years. I end up getting a judge that uh, knew my mom, and he tells the DA, oh, we're going to give him an offer of this deal of four years with halftime. The DA's like, no, we're sending them, we're making an example, we're sending them for 27 years. And he says, no, I'm the judge, this is the offer we're gonna give them, and if they take it, then they take it. If not, then you can try to do whatever you want. So 
we get the offer of four years with halftime. We talk to our lawyer, and he's like, well, you can, go, you can fight it with appeals court, but you're going to be in line two, three years sitting in county waiting for your chance to fight this, and you could still lose. So we decided, you know what? I have a son. My brother had a daughter and another daughter on the way. So we decided to take the, take the deal. So I go to prison. My brother ends up being my bunkie for a little while. Uh, throughout the whole prison experience, a lot of crazy things happened, riots. God continued to protect us, watch over me throughout the entire thing. I was able to go, uh, I did a lot of Bible studies with a lot of people. Um, <laughs> I was stuck at, at Delano for a while. I was trying to get to Susanville, which is a fire camp training facility, so I can go and get third time. And uh, I was there, people were coming and going, people coming and going, but uh, I had never went. And it ends up that during all these Bible studies, uh, I was kept being convicted that I needed to talk about the Sabbath because it kept coming up because the people that we were studying with, some were, uh, uh, they're all different denominations and the Sabbath would come up here and there and I didn't want to have, you know, a clash and have the, the, the other people see that kind of a thing of religion because that's not what it's about, it's about love. But the kept being impressed upon me that I had to talk about it. So finally I did, <laughs> and the next day I got the call that I was getting shipped out. You know, it's just crazy things like that happen. I went to fire camp, I ended up doing that there. Um, we were fighting fire down here, uh, Yosemite Lakes Park, Mariposa area, and a guy that was, uh, was at a camp that I was supposed to go to, but I ended up going somewhere else, had an altercation, and one of our guys had an altercation, and they switched him. So this gentleman that was at the camp I was supposed to go to ended up coming over here. He uh, grew up as an atheist, world-class mountain climber and slackliner. He, he had decided after seeing all that stuff that, you know, there has to be God. And he had been studying and trying to find the truth, and he had narrowed it down to Jehovah's Witnesses and Seventh-day Adventists. So I was able to share our beliefs and things with him. I don't know for sure what he had ended up deciding, but we had some very, very good uh, Bible study discussions about it. Um, and, and the Lord just kept on doing things like this. And uh, I would end up, when I was going to parole, I almost went to Texas. And I was very unhappy about that because my son was here in California. But I was like, you know what? I told you whatever you want. I'll do, so I'm happy with it, whatever you want. Then I got a call from my dad, oh, you're going to go to Waterford to be with your, your aunt, and you're only an hour away from your son. I was like, thank you, Lord. You know. So after I pull out to, to Waterford, uh, I'm looking for work for a year before I finally find something. I never even got a reply except for one that said we filled a position. You know, so... But I've been, I've been asked to go and give my testimony and go seeing uh, different places. And without a job, it's kind of hard to go travel. But he always provides. Every single time I was, I was asked to go somewhere, I was able to do it, either from help from uh, someone in the church that needed some extra help around the, uh, their property or something, some little odd job or something. I was always able 
to make it to these appointments. And the coolest thing that, that I can tell you about this whole experience is that the void that I was trying to fill with, with all these worldly things was filled when I asked God to come into my life. And when I asked him to come into my life, there was a feeling of complete and utter contentment and peace. And that has never left me through in the entire time up until now, and he just continues to bless. Um, my favorite chapter in the entire Bible is in Matthew 6. And Matthew 6, chapter, uh, I mean, Matthew chapter 6, verse uh, 34, Jesus says it so well. He says, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has care, will care for itself. And that's what it's all about. You just, we seek first the kingdom, and he takes care of everything else. You know, so that's my testimony, and I hope that it has uh, helped some of you and touched some of your hearts. It's been a blessing. You know, God's spirit um, is active, and he's alive, and he wants to work in each of our hearts. And um, before we close, I just want to share um, a little thought with you. Let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 11. If you can turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. You know, we're going to be starting a little series that's going to be talking about the Holy Spirit and talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? But I want us to see first this thought. So Luke 11, and we're going to look at verse 13. When you're there, say amen. Perfect. Luke 11 and verse 13. And it reads, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Praise the Lord that God is a gift giver. I remember when I was in elementary school, we would do, we would give gifts for like Valentine's Day, those little like cards and things, or in the holiday times, we would have all like stockings on the wall, and then right before Christmas break, we'd bring like little gifts for stocking stuffers and things, and we, I loved to get gifts and when I was younger, but I remember there would be sometimes that I would, somebody would give me a gift, and then they would see me playing with it, and they're like, hey, can I have that back? And I was like, what? Like you gave it to me. And I remember it would be called a Indian giver. You gave me the gift and then you took it back. Why would you do that? And I remember I would get so mad because there's this one specific little boy every time, almost every time he would do the stocking stuffers when we all were undoing them and stuff, he would look and he kind of forgot what he gave people. And then he would see it and be like, hey, can I have that? Can we switch? Can I have that back? And we would always look at him like, no, Zach, like, that's not yours. But you know what's beautiful? You know, we just had this holiday time, and we gave lots of gifts, did we not? But the greatest gift that God wants to bestow upon us is the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes when we think of the Holy Spirit, we think about, like, the Bible times, and we think about the day of Pentecost, when thousands were converted in a day. And then we ask the question, why don't we see that now? We asked the question, is the Holy Spirit still doing things? Was this gift, was this promise only for them? I don't know about you, but when I hear these testimonies and when I, when I interact with you people, I see that the Holy Spirit is still active. God is not an Indian giver. 
He doesn't say, here's the Holy Spirit and then take it back. Here's the Holy Spirit and take it back. God's not an Indian giver. He says that he will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask, to those that ask. And in Acts of the Apostles, there's a really, really powerful, powerful chapter, but I want to read just a few snippets from it um, on this thought that the, is the Holy Spirit still applicable today? Is he still active? Does he still want to use you and transform you? I love it. It says, the promise of the Holy Spirit is not limited to any age or to any race. So if you're two years old, if you're 80 years old, if you are Hispanic, white, Hawaiian, Filipino, whatever you are, it doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit wants to use you and transform you. Christ declared that the divine influence of his spirit was to be with his followers until the end. The end. From the day of Pentecost to the present time, the Comforter has been sent to all who have yielded themselves fully to the Lord and to his service. Now listen to this. The lapse of time has wrought no change in Christ's parting promise to send the Holy Spirit as his representative. Just because it's been many years since the day of Pentecost does not mean that Christ is not imparting his Holy Spirit to his people, that he has not given a promise and then taken it back. It says, if the fulfillment, and I'll listen to this, if the fulfillment of the promise is not seen as it might be, it is because the promise is not appreciated as it should be. A lot of times I think that God wants to do amazing things, but oftentimes if he were to impart the Holy Spirit to us, it would be almost pointless in a way because we wouldn't share and we wouldn't allow him into our hearts. God wants to send the Holy Spirit in full measure to transform your life. Just as we heard these testimonies, I'm sure many of you have amazing testimonies of what the Holy Spirit has done. And he wants to do more. He wants to do more. It's not just where you're at right now. God wants to do more. He wants to take you in your experience, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, no matter what your past experience has been, no matter what you maybe even think your future may be. God wants to do more. He wants to take you to deeper truths in his word. He wants to take you into deeper experiences with him through prayer. He wants to give you more powerful divine appointments with people and imparting truth to them. You know, there's a really, really awesome opportunity coming up for the Holy Spirit to do awesome things. Starting this week, we are going to be starting these 10 days of prayer. And as we saw in Luke eleven thirteen, that the Holy Spirit is poured out to those who ask. To those who are actually being intentional and saying, God, do something in my life. Lord, I don't want to be where I am. I want to see something more. And I promise you, God's word promises you that the Holy Spirit will be imparted to you. And he will transform and work your life. And so the challenge, the takeaway challenge is simply this. <laughs> Go to 10 days of prayer. Come, come. You are invited, hopefully more than once. Come experience the Holy Spirit in full measure. He's given to those that ask, and he wants to do amazing things. Just because it may not see it, maybe it's simply because you haven't actually asked for it, or maybe you don't have an open heart to receive it, but God wants to do that for you. So come, friends. There's going to be awesome opportunities to share what God is doing and for you to experience it. How many of you want to come? How many of you want to receive the Holy Spirit and ex experience a transformation? Amen. Me too. Me too. And why don't we close with a word of prayer and just invite the Spirit into our hearts and, and that he will transform us. Dear God, I just thank you so much 
Thank you so much, Lord, for the testimonies. Thank you so much for the baptisms. God, you are working. You're not just working in the young. You're not just working in the old. You're working in everybody's life. You want to change your church. You want to transform us into something miraculous. And Father, I just want to take a moment to personally invite you into my heart. God, I just ask that you will come in and remove any part of Brooke that may be in there and replace it with you, Jesus. I pray that each person in this sanctuary, God will do the same, that they will open their hearts to the working of your spirit. And Father, as the 10 days of prayer is coming up, as we have an awesome opportunity to kickstart the year with the deep connection with you, God, may we take advantage of it. As I read that often the fulfillment of the promise is not seen because the promise is not appreciated as it should be. So Father, may we take time to invite and to appreciate and to accept your spirit's working. Guide us and bless us the rest of the Sabbath day. In Jesus' name, amen.